Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com family. My name's Andrew Kramer. This is Ben Gessling. We are the Access Vikings team and the podcast covering the Minnesota Vikings for the Star Tribune. Ben, we've been at every practice. Yep. We've been at almost every preseason game. You've been at every preseason game. For, for one more day. For That'll be true. Day. That's true. I'll be hopping a flight to Kansas City here soon where the Vikings are going to finish up the preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're probably going to end up seeing some starters, whether that's Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Kendricks. We're going to see a good bulk of them on Friday night. But we're going to talk about what we've seen this preseason from the Minnesota Vikings' expectations for the 2021 season. And we're also going to be talking about the NFC North, Packers, Bears, Lions. How is this team going to fare in this division in 2021? Uh, Everson Griffin returning. Yep. There's a lot to get to. So we're going to be a newsy camp. It really has. It really has. So, Ben, we should start out with what we've seen from this offense. We've seen Kirk Cousins. We've seen Justin Jefferson. And we've seen this passing game kind of struggle to connect in training camp against what is a really retooled defense with Patrick Peterson and everybody in there. But I wanted to get your thoughts on how much can we take away from what we've seen in camp in terms of them struggling, considering that the defense is better, Yep. and considering that in the preseason, we're not going to see Dalvin Cook, we're not going to see Justin Jefferson, we're not going to see a lot of their top weapons around Kirk Cousins. So, Ben, what has been your take on how Kirk Cousins' offseason has gone so far up to this point when we're talking about on the field? Well, it's hard to, I think, take a lot out of the preseason games when you're in a lot of situations in a normal setting when if you got to have a first down, if there's a got-to-have-it moment, it's probably Justin Jefferson or Dalvin Cook getting the ball quite a bit of the time. So it's a little bit hard for me to look at the offensive performance in the preseason as – sort of feeble as it's been and say that it's going to be that way all season simply because you're going to have those guys and it's a little hard to put it in the proper context when you don't but in the times we've certainly seen it in practice where all those guys are practicing Justin Jefferson missed about a week with that shoulder injury but they've had some moments where it's looked rough and yesterday I thought Cousins had a nice connection with Jefferson in a red zone drill Dalvin Cook right before that kind of on a wide zone one of their their sort of bread and butter plays are on the goal line we see them run all the time the toss out to the right scored on that it made it look very easy those were sort of the moments that you say okay they're they're fine they they're going to get the ball to those guys a lot in those situations but given the offensive line and all of the questions we still have there and given that the quarterback has missed some throws there's a little bit of this that you you'd feel a little bit better about if that had probably gone a little differently yeah and of course Adam Thielen has also been missing some practice time so we're learning a lot about the young receivers on this team young running backs Alexander Madison has also been sidelined for the Minnesota Vikings here in training camp for at least the past week and so we're learning a lot about the depth or lack thereof at certain parts and their top draft pick Christian Derisaw the left tackle still has not been able to get on the field as he recovers from his latest groin surgery So with that offensive line, you brought it up. What's the confidence level right now when you have Rashad Hill as your left tackle? You've got a new right guard. Um, But then, again, you've got all these skill players who can sometimes make up for the fact that you don't have the best offensive line. Yeah, I mean, the the offensive line to me is why you still have to 
probably hold a little bit of this in some level of tension, I think. Rashad Hill probably gets you through a couple of games. He's, he's a guy that has been around a long time, largely because of his versatility. You can plug him in. You know what you're going to get. But what you're going to get is probably not a guy that you can plug in for eight weeks or more. And I, I don't think they're – I think they're hopeful they won't have to do that. But – if it gets to be three, four weeks and you haven't seen Christian Derrissaw, then you start to worry a little bit. And the fact that Christian Derrissaw has missed as much time as he has, even though from everything both of us have heard, he's supposed to be healthy by the season. He hasn't had the practice time, and trying to play that position as a rookie, especially as a left tackle, has a learning curve attached to it. Yeah, I was talking to the offensive line coach yesterday, and he had brought up a good point, just saying, like, look, you can play pickup basketball. You can you can train different sports while you're away from the team. You can't play pickup pass rush. <laughs> There's no pretending to go against Khalil Mack. There's no pretending to go against even Daniil Hunter. Pickup, uh, they're running a tackle exchange stunt, <laughs> and uh, you have to figure out how to, how to handle it on the fly. That's not yeah. really a thing you can do. Yeah, Christian Derrissaw and Daniel Hunter can't get together necessarily in the offseason and totally work and replicate what it's going to be like in a regular season game for them. So it's going to be a learning curve for that rookie and for the, the young people on this roster for the Minnesota Vikings. And that's the big question mark about the offense. On the flip side, the defense has been totally revamped. They're destroying the offensive line in practices. This defensive line with Hunter, Michael Pierce, um, Sheldon Richardson, Dalvin Tomlinson, it is one of the deeper offensive lines. And Everson Griffin now. And Everson Griffin now, we should mention. It's one of the deeper defensive lines, not only in the division, but probably in football right now. Yeah, it's and it's been a priority. I mean, we, we heard that all offseason, that their first priority was fixing that group. They have typically, with Mike Zimmer and Andre Patterson, tried to build that defense from front to back, where it's our bet is that we can get to you with four pass rushers before you can pick on our secondary. And they were not able to do that last year. I mean, the fact that... Yannick Ngakwe led the team in sacks after he was traded before the bye was one of the more probably damning statistics available to the Vikings last year. And then the run defense struggled more so than we've seen it in recent years. So they got Michael Pierce a year ago. They're excited to have him back. Getting Dalvin Tomlinson was not necessarily, at least per my conversation with Andre Patterson this week, it was not to say we need another run stopper. It was we need a three-technique tackle, and he's the best one we can find. But the fact that you have another guy in there that has played nose, has the ability and the size to anchor and, and keep things from coming up the middle helps a lot because we saw last year what it looks like when you don't have it. They, the reason they did not make the playoffs last year, as many things as went wrong, if they'd been able to stop David Montgomery in Week 15 and if they'd been able to stop Alvin Kamara in Week 16, they're in. And all they would have had to do was win one of those games. Probably the Bears at home is easier. But if they win one of those, they're in as the seventh seed, and they would have gone back down to New Orleans in the first round. So the ability to fix that run defense is a big part of why they hope this group will be better as well. Yeah, we're looking at now this Vikings defensive line. The people who started last year for the defensive line might not even be making the team yeah. this year. Yeah. That, that's how much a difference. Di a little bit different. That's how much difference there is on this Minnesota Vikings defensive line this year where guys like Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, they're, they're probably not going to – well, J J Jaleel they've already moved on from, but Jalen Holmes is probably not going to be on this team. Um, th there's just going to be a huge difference in front of guys like Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, the people on the back end of that defense. So with what you just said about the pass rush helping out the back end, 
how much can that help out a new secondary that's probably not going to play a snap together yeah. until week one, given the fact that we're not expecting to see Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, none of these guys on Friday night in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, that that's the bet, right? It's it's always this thing of we can help our secondary. And that's when you heard them talk last year about getting an Ikengakwe, that's what they said publicly. Now, privately, they probably <laughs> knew that Daniil Hunter was in rough shape and they needed to do something else there. But even if it's just for that reason, it's still, hey, we need pass rush. We need somebody that can make it so that quarterbacks can't sit back here and pick us apart. Yeah. So if you have a group that's more effective there, if Daniil Hunter is back and, and looks as good as he's looked in camp and he's looked very good, if you have that and you get some pass rush from somewhere on the other side, which there are efforts to get more of that this week, I'm sure we'll talk about plenty here in a little <laughs> bit, but if you get that, it helps out a ton because – as you pointed out, they're not going to play together. They're betting on Patrick Peterson being better this year than he's been the last two. They're betting on Bashad Breeland being healthy and effective. They're probably still betting on Cameron Dantzler, I think, at some point this season. They're betting on Mackenzie Alexander. There's a lot of these projections that you have to make with the secondary, and it's guys that have done it at this level before, yes, but they haven't done it together, and you have guys that you're trying to do a little bit of a reclamation project. So if you can make the pass rush effective, that probably lowers the learning curve a little bit. And we talked about it on the most recent Access Vikings podcast about Everson Griffin working out for the team. Now, after that podcast, they signed him. They, yep. bring, they bring him back into the fold. It's, about a, it's a one-year minimum deal. He needs to come in and earn the playing time, earn the money. There's really nothing guaranteed to Everson on this return to Minnesota. Yeah. But, Ben, what kind of Everson Griffin do you think they're getting? Because it's certainly not going to be the same Everson Griffin that was – as much of a terror against the pass rush as he was in 2018, 2019. But if they can get even part of that, yeah. they'll, they'll take it given where they're at right now. Well, I think the, the thing that was interesting to hear Mike Zimmer say this week was that he doesn't want to use him the same way because it's not fair to do that to him at, at this age. You know, when he's going to be 34 in December, they had a lot of years there where it was – they would talk about let's have a rotation where these guys are only playing 600 snaps a year and it ended up being that was whether it was either either everson griffin or brian robison or everson griffin and daniel hunter you had two defensive ends playing 800 850 900 snaps sometimes even close to a thousand over the course of the season and you did see i think some of those years where that load especially 2017 in the playoffs i think that got them in the end so if you're able to keep his snaps down and do what he does best which is get to the quarterback he can have an impact I mean I think he's he's certainly more accomplished as a pass rusher than anybody they have other than Daniil Hunter and even at his age and even when they talked about the rush plan he used in Dallas and Detroit last year not being what they wanted and, and not being uh, the Picasso that Andre Patterson painted, um, he still had six sacks in a limited role. So I think if you get something like that from him, absolutely that can help a lot. Yeah, and they're hoping less is more with Everson yep. Griffin. Yep. They're, they're hoping that he can come back, play a third down role, and really be that kind of extra pass rush opposite Daniil Hunter that, frankly, Daniil has never been on this team by himself in the pass rush the way, that, he was, the way that he's kind of expected to be this year. Because they, DJ Wanham, Stephen Weatherly, they've got other guys that they're going to start and put there. They're hoping Everson can bring that juice back to the other side. And that's going to be a big question mark for this team when you're going against the Aaron Rodgers, the Justin Fields, 
the more mobile quarterbacks that can get out and away from you and might be able to run away from a DJ Wanham or a Steven Weatherly. You didn't mention Jared Goff. I did not. Was that by design or was that a, a, a slip-up? We'll talk about Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions and the tanking project that is going on in Detroit right now. Uh, but in Minnesota, Ben, what are the fair expectations for this Vikings defense a year after it was one of the worst ones that Mike Zimmer's ever had? Well, I think even if it's back to being a top 12 unit, that you're you're talking about a team that has everything it needs to be in the playoffs yeah. because they have enough pieces on offense if the offensive line comes together to score points. And if you're not losing games 38-35 or you're able to get a stop at the end, it's a few of those wins – or a few of those losses turn into wins, and you're probably in. With that seven-team field, I think you're in. So it makes a big difference, I think, just if you're able to get a few more stops over the course of the season. And I think keeping yourself out of third and three, which they're hoping they'll be able to do with Michael Pierce and, and Dalvin Tomlinson, and being able to, to cash in on a few more of those third and longs, whether it's a sack or a pressure that leads to an incomplete pass or a turnover, whatever it happens to be, I think they feel like even that little bit would be enough to get them back in. Where that gets them beyond that I, I think is a, a bigger question. I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback. Yeah. But certainly an incremental improvement from that defense is, I think, very doable. And it, they may be better than that. There's enough talent they could be better than that. Yeah, and especially just with the experience, that corner that they have now, yeah. where when you had Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, these rookies starting last year, we saw so many coverage busts. So many times a wide receiver would be streaking wide open downfield because the corner wasn't doing what he was supposed to. Now that you have Bashad Breeland, now that you have Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander back in the fold, you've got a lot of veterans there that are going to be in the right place. Yeah. And if they get beat, it's going to be because it's a contested catch or they're just going to be ousted or bettered in the technique front. But they're at least going to – presumably know what they're doing and that's such a big step up from what they had last year yeah and, and I think we've seen it with Mike Zimmer and the the mood he's been in <laughs> just having guys that know where they're supposed to be yeah. has put Mike Zimmer I think in a better mood throughout the preseason and training camp than we saw last year I, I think <laughs> the degree to which he had to teach and remind people and correct things that you felt like probably should have been taken care of wore on him throughout last year and I think the fact that he doesn't have to do as much of that we, we he's been in a better mood I think throughout camp and, and you've heard him talk a lot about <laughs> Patrick Peterson being able to say okay this is a receiver split they're split tight that means you're, I'm going to get one of several routes and I can kind of cross some things off the menu you know things you're not seeing a rookie corner do yeah you have guys now that can make some of those adjustments on their own. Yeah, there's a lot more depth right now on defense for this Minnesota Vikings team. May it make life harder on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? I don't we, think it get much easier. We don't know because that's the big question mark. The Vikings had a lot of luck this offseason in terms of one thing, or two things I should say, in terms of Aaron Rodgers almost leaving, that kind of issue with the Packers, but then also the fact that Matthew Stafford, who had terrorized this Vikings defense, let's not forget, Mike Zimmer was like, what, 1-5 against the Lions under Jim Caldwell before yes. Matt Patricia took over? It was a tough go whenever yep. they faced the Lions. Yep. It wasn't always easy. It became easier once Matt Patricia took over, and now it's going to be easier with Dan Campbell being the head coach in Detroit. But Matthew Stafford leaving is a it's good news for the Minnesota Vikings. And so, Ben, let's talk about NFC North expectations, and let's start with what I expect to be the bottom of the NFC North in the Detroit Lions. 
Because like biting kneecaps bottom. <laughs> is that weird? Like <laughs> while they're down there. As Dan Campbell would say, biting off the kneecaps. I just I think I think they're going to be the bottom, the absolute bottom, because you've got Jared Goff now as the quarterback for that team. Yeah. Anybody who watches football closely enough, even though Jared Goff had made a Super Bowl with Sean McVay, knows that that's just not the guy that you want at quarterback. The Lions. It's also not the guy that scares Mike Zimmer. True. We should point that out. That 2017, and some of this was probably Sean McVay and Zimmer not buying into the whole McVay hype and all of that stuff, but he was borderline smug that week when they were facing Jared Goff, and they, they pounded the. The, uh, the Rams that week. And, of course, Goff got his revenge the next year. But uh, I don't think that's a quarterback that is giving Mike Zimmer fits the way that Stafford did or Aaron Rodgers does. No, and now you've got a Detroit team that also lost Marvin Jones. They lost a yeah. lot of their weapons around there. So the Vikings do not have to worry about this kind of offense, that, that at least a passing game in Detroit. They used to throw all over them. I think of Marvin Jones scoring three touchdowns, catching them over Trey Waynes. Like even recently, that offense has been tough for them to go up against. It's been a, a lot of shootouts, at least especially at Ford Field the last few years. And I just don't see that happening now with a, a veteran Vikings defense flipping that now with Jared Goff in Detroit. And really this Detroit team taking on that Goff contract, it seems like it's kind of a rebuild and a tank job almost and saying that, look, we're going to just eat this contract, move on from Stafford, try to then rebuild this roster. And you're seeing a lot of young guys coming in in Detroit, not a whole lot of veteran uh, people being added to that mix. I do think that it's safe to kind of pencil them in to the bottom of the north. As it usually is. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I think that's probably fair. And I I think in some ways – what they're trying to do makes sense because sure. you you weren't going anywhere with where they were currently set up yeah. so you might as well try to pull it back maybe get your quarterback that you can build around and and go from there i, I think the the ownership there is tired of this thing not going i mean martha ford is uh is getting up there she so is. uh i think they want to see a winner fairly soon the question is who's next who who is next you've got the bears the vikings and the packers and all three teams i think could make some noise, but I think everybody looks at this as Vikings-Packers. Right. That this, Those are the two teams vying for this division. Have what the Bears done changed anything in terms of your perspective? Well, I mean, I think some of that depends on is Justin Fields able to come in and make a big difference? Because if it's Andy Dalton, no, I don't think it's going to be enough. The, the Bears are kind of what they are. Their, their defense is going to make things difficult. Their, their defense is getting older, yeah. but – they're still going to make things difficult for you. You're going to have to deal with Allen Robinson, but they're not going to be a team that is able to do a ton of things on offense. Even with Matt Nagy and his voluminous playbook, um, they just don't have enough weapons to make a lot of things happen without a quarterback that's a little more dynamic. If Justin Fields comes in and is the guy, then that changes everything, as it's as the Bears have been trying to make it happen for since Sid Luckman for the better part of their existence. So if Justin Fields comes in and is transformative, then it's a different story. But short of that, I would agree it's the Vikings and the Packers. Well, and the NFL schedule makers are no joke because they understand fully when Justin Fields is going to be ready, which is why they scheduled both Vikings-Bears games at the second half of the season. Well, one's a a last week of the season mainstay anyway. They, they, they come true. to U.S. Bank Stadium the last week of the season every year anyway. So. But the Vikings, the chance of the Vikings facing Andy Dalton in a Bears uniform, yeah, slim. Probably. Very slim. Now, they, Andy Dalton beat him in a Cowboys uniform last year, but I think this defense will <laughs> probably be a little – that's yeah. one of those games that 
if this defense is different, you probably don't lose this time around. Exactly. Soldier Field is always a tough place to play. But as you had mentioned, the Bears' defense is getting older. They have restocked the offense a little bit, but um, they, they got rid of um, their top corner in, in yeah, Fuller. Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller moves on to Denver. Bit obviously, of a head-scratcher there, if you ask me. Obviously meeting up with Vic Fangio. So the Bears are a lot weaker at corner, and we got to see if that defensive front is the same defensive front that's terrorized the Vikings for years. So that will – it's to be determined. We'll, we'll talk about Chicago in that sense. But Green Bay. The headliner among the uh, NFC North opponents. Yeah, Green Bay brings back basically everybody, including Aaron Rodgers. Including Kevin King. And well, including <laughs> Kevin King as well. There's a cheap shot. Much to the I chagrin. Like I like that. <laughs> of our, uh, our audience to the east. They bring back Kevin King, who had, was an issue, obviously, at the end of last season for Green Bay. But they bring, they bring back the guy bit. who's been the biggest issue for the Minnesota Vikings in Aaron Rodgers. So, Ben, does that does – that, um, are you expecting the roll it back mentality by Green Bay to be another thirteen and three or thirteen and four in the seventeen game schedule? The last dance, right? Yeah. Do Do you think it's going to be a similar deal where they're title contenders right off the bat? Yeah, I mean they're certainly one of the better teams in the NFC. I mean, I think you would look at the fact they have everybody back. I mean, they even kept Aaron Jones. I mean, that was yeah. one where you thought, okay, running back market, what it being what it is, they're not going to keep him. But they said we're gonna we're gonna bring him back. We're gonna try to take a shot at this thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think by all intents or by all accounts, this is it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has not made it seem like he's changed his mind at all about wanting to be out of Green Bay after this year. They're not going to fire Brian Gutekunst after two thirteen and three seasons. If that's a non-starter for Aaron Rodgers, this is probably it for him there. So, if you are trying to win, it's got to be now. And I think certainly they are as talented as anybody in the NFC. The question I have is, is that enough in the playoffs? We have not seen Aaron Rodgers excel in the playoffs in ways that the sort of all-time great quarterbacks have a tendency to do. And, and there's, there's other guys that haven't done it. I mean, Peyton Manning had his ups and downs, certainly pretty famously in the playoffs. Drew, B Drew Brees was not always great in the playoffs. Russell Wilson has struggled a lot. Yep after kind of this mythic start to his career, Tom Brady makes it unfair for everybody. But even Brady in the really NFC does. title game last year threw three picks. So yeah. nope. it may be an unfair standard to hold people to, but you have to, I think, at some point have him have the kind of transcendent playoff game for them to get over the top, as he did the year they won the Super Bowl. He was fantastic in that run and has not really done that since. So I certainly think they're the favorite in the division. I would put them among the maybe two or three best teams in the NFC. Uh, with Tampa Bay and then probably whoever comes out of the NFC West. But uh, how they get over the top I, I think is kind of the ongoing question because it's, it's bothered them for a decade. Well, it sounds like, too, that the Green Bay Packers schism between Rodgers and the organization, it, it trickled a little bit to the wide receivers. You see the wide yeah. receivers not report to spring practices when Rodgers didn't report. You see Devontae Adams not agreeing to a contract extension, at least yet. And then posting the last dance meme at the same time Rodgers did. And then also playing the Pippin to Rodgers Jordan yeah. in that whole scenario. So the Vikings are going to be facing a team that's really looking in Green Bay to take its final shot, at, yeah. least, at least as we see it with those two and Rodgers and Adams. Yeah, unless something changes between now and next March, and, and maybe it does. But I think the Packers' timeline always has been – after this year, move on from Rodgers and be ready for Jordan Love because that fifth-year quarterback option, you have to make a decision on that after year four. You don't want 
the year you have to make a decision on Jordan Love to be his first year as a starting quarterback. And that that ability, beyond having to make the decision, that ability to have a quarterback playing on a rookie contract is a massive financial benefit for an NFL team. So if you can figure out that Jordan Love is competent and save all that money, that's something they're going to want to do. Even though Aaron Rodgers won his third MVP last year, is still among the best two or three quarterbacks in the league. But if you're looking to move on and you have a guy that you like, you need to see him play before he has to get to that point of the fifth-year option. And I'm sure Mike Zimmer would rather prefer they figure that out with Jordan Love right now as opposed to next year. Yeah, I probably would. It might be the case, but the Vikings are still going to be facing Aaron Rodgers and uh, in a Green Bay Packer uniform in 2021. Ben, let's talk about the Vikings right now because they are going to have to trim down this roster for the regular season next week. Tuesday is the the deadline to set the 53-man roster. Every year, there's some general surprise release, whether it's getting rid of Brian Robison a year early from what people thought, cutting guys like Terrence Newman, veterans that they Alex usually... Alex Boone. Alex Boone, sure. So there's usually some veteran surprise release around this time of year. Do you but think, we're not covering it on Labor Day weekend. But we're not. Do you think there's going to be there. any surprise in terms of whom the Vikings might move on from this, this offseason? The guy, and I don't know if it's a cut, but the guy that kind of makes me wonder a little bit and I say this with a little bit of pain in my voice because I've I've enjoyed covering him and find him to be a really interesting dude. Stephen Weatherly. I just I Mike Zimmer has talked about him being the starter or possibly being a, a reserve that's playing a big role if DJ Wanham is a starter. But it, it has looked, I think, like DJ Wanham may be the guy there based on how they've used him and, and based on some of the things I think they want to do with him. And I don't know that it's a cut, but... Everson, or excuse me, Everson Griffin being here, I guess, changes the, the picture. But Weatherly has, I think it's $2.5 million, and only 500000 of that is guaranteed. And this is still a team that needs cap space. They've made maneuvers to make it work for this year, but they've pushed so much money into the future that if you can roll money over, it's going to help the financial questions you have to answer after the season, which are still fairly big ones. So... That would be the one to me to keep an eye on. It's very possible he's still here. Andre Patterson likes him. They brought him back. That was one of the first moves they made in free agency. But if they felt good enough that they could trade him, pick up a draft pick, and save some money, that wouldn't stun me, I guess. That's going to be interesting because this Vikings team, it's a very stars and scrubs roster. You've got a lot of top-heavy guys, or top-heavy roster. A lot of guys paid a lot of money. He's Does, one of the few in the middle class. D- Weatherly is. Yeah. So that, that makes it interesting in terms of when you bring in a guy like Everson Griffin, who's making less than Steven, right. is is Griffin here to replace him, or is he here to complement him in that kind of uh, rotation that you yeah. talked about that they want? And that's the big question, right? I think, I think it depends on what you think of DJ Wanham, sure. in, in part. If you if you feel like DJ Wanham is ready to do the job and play six 700 snaps – then maybe you think about it. The, the, the problem they run into with this sort of Stars and Scrubs approach is it doesn't leave them a ton of financial maneuvering to keep guys like that. So ideally, you'd love to have somebody like that. But if they're sitting there saying, man, we need the money, you have to make some tough decisions. So that's I think that's a lot of the question there is what do they think of Wanham and what do they think of the rest of the group? Yeah, and that's a good segue into our questions and answers mailbag portion of this podcast we always do this where we take them online on our twitter accounts you can find us on startribune.com send us any questions that you want one of the questions i got ben was from our one of our listeners drew he wants to know 
you guys keep talking about this Stars and Scrubs roster for the Vikings. We do how, hit on that a lot, don't we? How unique is that in the NFL? His point was that the Vikings might be just commonly building the roster how most teams do, where they pay their stars and they try to fill the roster with whomever. Is this that uncommon? And I would argue that it is because the Vikings are one of the few teams that is overpaying. Well, most teams overpay their quarterback, but the Vikings are overpaying a certain quarterback that a lot of people are polarized about. Is this a guy that can really carry you to a championship, or is this just a guy who needs everything perfect around him? And, Ben, I would say that this team, with that 30, what, it's going to be 35 million next year they're paying? 45 million next oh, year. Oh, sorry, 45 million they're paying Kirk Cousins next year. I would say that's cushion change. That sets up a unique situation where, no, you're not building around Pat Mahomes. You're not building around even, well, Tom Brady's never made that money, but. You're not building around one of these guys that that Josh Allen, for instance, who just got paid huge in Buffalo. I think that does make for a roster. And we should also mention they have paid almost every defender that has been homegrown, developed, whether it's Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, um, Daniil Hunter. Everson Griffin. The corners in Rhodes and Waynes are the first ones that they really moved on yep. from. Yep. that they couldn't afford to pay. So I would say that because they've tried to do everything, which is pay the quarterback, pay all these defenders, it has led to a pretty unique situation. And I haven't looked up the numbers, but I would venture to guess that the Vikings having like seven or eight guys paid $10 million a year, yes. that's not the case across every roster. They have, and I, I again would have, I'm with you, I'd have to look up the current numbers, but I've looked at this in years past, and they ordinarily have more players with average annual values of 10 million or higher than any team in the league. I, th I think they were certainly in that boat last year and maybe even the year before where it's like 10 guys getting that much money. Here, Here's the thing. The Cousins piece of it is certainly a very big one, probably the biggest one, because you're paying a quarterback to be in Mike Sando's piece every year, the quarterback tiers, you're, you're paying him to be a tier one guy. In other words, a guy that can win games by himself, it, even if that's a little bit of a a myth in terms of how that often that actually happens. But you're paying him to be that guy, and he's probably not, which means you need the supporting parts. But it's also a philosophical thing because this is a team that decided to pay a running back, which not everybody does anymore. And yeah. and there yeah. we, we should point that out because there are teams that would have said, we're either going to move on or we're going to get another year out of you and let you get closer to free agency with more tread on the tires, kind of like what the Packers did with Aaron Jones, and say, you can go out and check your market out, and Dalvin Cook probably would have had a little bit bigger one. But you can try to go play it, and we'll see how that goes. They decided ahead of time to pay him to basically pay for the season they were going to use rather than having the one that they could have had essentially on a rookie deal and then move forward. I, and I've talked to people in the organization that said, hey, you got to have him because he's that good. But we're aware that this is not something that everybody wants to do and – it comes with drawbacks. So you do that. You you pay as many guys on defense as they have. Yeah. You've paid two receivers, and you you may end up in that spot again, depending on what happens with Adam Thielen going forward and with Justin Jefferson. But they paid Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. So they're, they're trying to, in a lot of ways, have their cake and eat it too. And I think that has created a little bit of a unique financial approach over the years. It has. Nick wants to know, what is your, as in the hosts, what are your, what is your guys' favorite position group he said it could be based on anything just how good they are their personalities the drama of it all <laughs> he just wants to know what is our favorite position group 
on the Minnesota Vikings. It's, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll take this one first because for me, it's the defensive tackles. Okay. Because and it is it's both talent based and it's personality based. Yeah. Because if anybody's been around this Minnesota Vikings team, they know flat out that that guys like Sheldon Richardson, Michael Pierce. We haven't seen them play a whole lot recently for Minnesota, but now that they're on this team and back and around round camp, around the preseason, they're two of the best guys to talk to. Yep. They're both engaging. They're both somewhat hilarious in their own right. And when you throw in Dalvin Tomlinson with those two guys, with Sheldon and Michael Pierce, it's going to be one of the deepest defensive tackle rotations in the NFL. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to go a similar fashion. I would maybe expand it out to the entire defensive line because it's been a little bit of – I don't know what TV network it is that has the phrase, or the slogan, characters welcome. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. It's a little bit of that where Andre Patterson, I think, has said, you can ha- you can show a little bit of personality in here. Yeah. Everson Griffin certainly has. Stephen Weatherly, as we've talked about, is a pretty fascinating guy yep. oh, <laughs> with yeah. a lot of uh, pretty engaging off-field hobbies. I Talking to Dalvin Tomlinson this week, uh, it's kind of similar thing. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson picked between Harvard and Alabama for his colleges, so uh, – if you're doing that, you're, uh, you've done all right for yourself off the field as well. Yep. And Michael Pierce, also a pretty interesting guy. So there, there's a lot of personalities in that room and a lot of guys that are pretty engaging when you get to deal with them. I would, I would put that one out there, and I would also probably say the running backs. Okay. Dalvin Cook has been great for us to cover. He's, he's always uh, pretty engaging when we get a chance to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, kind of is able to laugh at himself, have fun with the process. Alexander Madison has a really interesting backstory. C.J. Ham, similar kind of thing. Uh, Amir Abdullah, similar kind of thing. So you have a lot of guys in that room as well that I think are interesting for us because they have thoughts on things in the world beyond just football, and they're willing to share some of those things. And it's uh, it's always more fun for us, I think, when you get to cover people that let you see a little bit more of who they are as a as a whole person and if we're asking if we're being asked our favorite position group on the vikings just based on drama it's got to be the quarterback position it has to be it's not only everybody's on every team for for the obvious reasons but with this team with kirk cousins getting paid what he is with the draft pick kellen mond coming in eventually potentially to replace him now third round picks don't generally amount to much at quarterback the Russell Wilsons of the world, even yep. Kirk Cousins, who was fourth a, fourth, a fourth rounder. Those guys developing into starters generally don't happen that much, but the Vikings are hoping this kid can develop over the course of a couple years into a guy that could start for them. And then you've got just the whole uh, issues with the vaccine, yeah. where, where the NFL yeah. has made it very difficult for people who are unvaccinated to go to practice every day. They have to be sequestered basically from their vaccinated teammates. They have to travel differently. They might not be available if they're a close contact. All these different things throw in an element of drama with the quarterback room because Kirk Cousins is a very prominent guy who's not vaccinated, at least wasn't earlier this month when he was uh, quarantined because Kellen Mond, also not vaccinated, tested positive. So there's a lot of drama with the Vikings quarterback room. And with COVID still very much being a thing that the NFL is monitoring, they're going to try and keep that out of the locker room. And the quarterbacks, if they're not available on a Sunday because of that, could add a whole lot of drama yeah. to, to this team. Yeah, and there are a lot of star players on this team that, as best we can tell, are not vaccinated. So that, that adds a, a pretty interesting dynamic to this because even if you're a close contact, you're out for a few days. If you test positive, you're looking at missing probably two games. And Yes, you could test positive still if you're vaccinated as well, but – the odds of that happening would seem to be lower in terms of the number of percentage of people that can can be infected. But 
the the close contact thing is kind of what we saw become yeah. a big issue, especially if you're not vaccinated. And we can argue about whether the NFL rules are the best approach to public health or if they're steered toward, yeah. Yeah, steered toward you know basically trying to make you get the vaccine yeah. we can argue about that but the rules are what they are and they are very much more favorable to players that have been vaccinated so from a, a competitive perspective when you go down the list of players that aren't uh it, it's a, i think it's a concern yeah. for this team and certainly no bigger one than if you lose your starting quarterback all right let's wrap up on this question here Jack wants to know, is there any talk of bringing in Larry Fitzgerald? I think if he were going to play anywhere, it would be here. But he talked this week, I think, somewhere, and he kind of made it sound like he was done. Yeah. I, he kind of talked about not having the fire to play and, and not wanting to go do it again. I, I, I think if it were going to happen, it's probably here. But uh, I don't know that I see it. it. It would be interesting. It would be interesting to cover it, and it would be interesting to just see how he fits into – this locker room, this team, this market at the end of his career. But um, I guess I'd be a little surprised if that happens this late in the game. And I think the Vikings bringing in D.D. Westbrook to help that wide receiver group would indicate that they're not banking on somebody like Larry Fitzgerald falling into their lap. But his former teammate, Patrick Peterson of the Arizona Cardinals, now of the Minnesota Vikings, he had uh, said recently he doesn't see Larry walking away. He thinks Larry wants to keep playing, but – we heard from Larry's own mouth that it sounds like he said he just doesn't have the fire or something yeah. like that to get out there and just doesn't feel like playing right now. That might be a training camp thing. What if he pulls a Favre and helicopters in right in week one? You never know. Might be. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be it for us on the Access Vikings podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for checking us out at the Star Tribune booth at the Minnesota State Fair. You can find all of our work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.